Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of Enlightenment Today. I'm Jason. Today we'll speak about a film called A Rational Man by Woody Allen. Now the reason I want to speak about this film is because of its relationship to Eastern philosophy, especially Zen and the Taoist principles of Zidran, naturalness, and Uwei, effortless action, non-doing, and non-force. Now if you want to know more about why I would relate those philosophies to this film, it's best for you to watch my episode on Zen before you watch this. Okay, now with A Rational Man, I wouldn't say that I'm a Woody Allen fan, but I would say that this is definitely my favorite film by him. I have liked other films that he has done. Now in this film, it stars Joaquin Phoenix as Abe Lucas and Emma Stone as Jill Pollard. Now, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Abe Lucas, plays a philosophy professor who is moving from a location to the fictional campus called Braylon in the New England area of the United States. Now, a lot of people are anticipating his arrival because he's apparently a brilliant mind and he's wrote a lot of books and papers on philosophy and the nature of reality and so forth and so on. But for a long time, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Abe Lucas, has been going un undergoing existential crisis and he's basically led to massive depression he has no zest for life and he just feels that life is meaningless and him and he himself has no meaning so in his arrival to Braylon he it's a very bleak arrival and everyone begins to realize that you know he's a very bleak personality he's he has no zest for life he has no no energy for anything um, but instantly, Emma Stone's character, Jill Pollard, is attracted to Abe, and she knows that he's a genius deep down and a brilliant mind, but it's complicated, and he's a complex man. Now, she is trying to bring out of Abe Lucas, you know, the energy and the zest for life that he has naturally, but, but he has pushed it down because basically over the years, from, from being a philosophy professor, he's begun to overthink, um, because he's comparing philosophies and then he gets to a place of existential crisis. Now some of the famous quotes by Abe in the film kind of give you an idea of his mind. So first of all he's talking to Jill and he said to her basically much of philosophy is, is verbal masturbation and when he's explaining uh, Kierkegaard's philosophy he explains that you know anxiety is the dizziness of, of freedom. So we in Kierkegaard's mind, you know, we basically think too much and we don't know what to do with our time. So Abe has thought about this philosophy a lot. And to counter that, he says, you know, it's scary when you run out of distractions, basically. So we go from Kierkegaard's philosophy from the anxiety is the dizziness of freedom to, you know, when we run out of the distractions, then, you know, it's a scary place. So ultimately, Abe sees all of these counter philosophies and he begins to think too much about it obviously and that leads him to a place where he states you know i set out to be an active world changer and i turned out to be a passive intellectual who can't fuck now basically in the film he, he can't perform sex because you know he's he just has no zest in his life even though women are throwing themselves at him he cannot perform and he basically can't get it up you know so he got to this stage in his life and it seemed like there was no end to it 
but what was saving him was Jill's interaction with him. Now, there was one moment in his life that changed everything. Him and Jill went to a, to a cafe and they were having, I think, lunch or something like this and they were having a discussion, usually about, uh, I think it was about Abe's, you know, depression as usual. And she I was overhearing people behind her speaking and she told Abe to sit beside her and basically there were the, the people behind them, there was a lady who was there talking to her friends and basically she was going through a, a, a messy custody battle. And the judge was very, the judge was not sympathetic to her. Actually the judge was friends with her former partner. So he was being very unreasonable and it looked like she was gonna lose the custody of her children even though her ex-partner was terrible to the children and so forth and so on. So the judge was obviously, from a moral standpoint, not doing the right thing. So the interesting thing is, this conversation that this woman was having with her friends lit something in Abe. It gave him a sense of purpose. He saw that in this story, there was a creative outlet, meaning instead of thinking about it, what if he just used action, a rational action? Now he saw that the, the, he knew the judge had done wrong by this woman. And, he, and him and Jill, Abe and Jill, had a, you know, a casual conversation and said, you know, imagine if someone just killed that judge or, or something bad happened to him, or he had a heart attack or so forth and so on. And the circumstances of life would change. Jill said she hoped for that. And because of Abe's you know, depressive attitude, he said, you know, we can't depend on hope. We need action to take care of these matters. Now, as he saw this as a creative outlet, it gave him a sense of acting without thinking, okay? So for Abe, what was right took precedence. For the first time in his life, he began to follow his gut. He began to act without thinking. And this story of the woman and her custody issues was the perfect creative outlet for Abe. Yet, the way that Abe was gonna deal with this situation was a bit extreme, but keep in mind this is a fictional story. Abe thought to himself, what would it be like if he really did kill this judge? He thought to himself, it would be the right thing to do, and the woman custody issues would disappear, she would probably get custody of the children, and harmony would be restored. And Abe himself is a complete stranger to the situation, so he thought it would be the perfect crime. So as time went on, Abe began to map out the judges every step each day. He, he observed his routines and so forth and so on. And every Saturday morning, the judge would go for a jog and he would sit down, read a paper and drink an orange juice from a particular shop. And so over this time, Abe studied that and Abe thought this was a perfect opportunity to poison, um, to give him a poison uh, orange juice. So Abe stole some cyanide from the science lab, went and bought an orange juice, put the cyanide in it, sat beside the judge on the Saturday morning, did the switcheroo and the judge drank that and Abe walks away and Abe has a look on his face of, you don't know if it's excitement or anxiety, but it, it's a, a sense of relief you can see. Anyway, as the days went on, Abe found out that the judge had died and the news speculated that he had died from a heart attack. Now, when Abe heard this news, it, he had a sense of extreme freedom. First time in his life, he felt that his, his life has some meaning. He got that zest for life back. And as time went on, he, he covered the crime up very 
perfectly. Jill never suspected him. Some people had some crackpot theories at the school just because of his usual depressive nature, but none of that came to light. So Abe had his zest for life back. Everything was coming together in his life. It was very effortless. His relationships were much more harmonious. He even became engaged in a relationship with Jill. I know that's a student-teacher relationship, but that's how the story unfolds. And everything for him was very natural in that time. And his work, his writing began to take place. He was much more jovial with people. Everything was beautiful. And he stepped into a, a, an irrational realm um, where he stepped away from rationality and just began to experience life as it is from his gut. Now, as time went on, people began to suspect Abe, but it was in, in a much more crackpot theory way. Though Jill was listening a lot of the time to these theories and Jill began to piece certain things together until it got to the point where all of the evidence was pointing, pointing to Abe. And so she confronted Abe about this and Abe refuted it at, in, at the first instant, but then it was so obvious that he had to admit it because he thought he could admit it to her and then she was initially shocked by this situation that Abe, what Abe had did. Now, Abe tried to convince her not to say to anyone and, and she did accept, but she couldn't be in a relationship with him, but she did accept that she was not gonna say anything because of her feelings for him and so forth and so on. That is until an innocent person was suspected for the murder and that was on the media and so forth and so on. So Jill was obviously very worried and she went to Abe and said, what are you gonna do about this situation? Now for all of this previous period since the death of the judge, Abe's life was back. He, his life had meaning, his life was harmonious, he wasn't overthinking about life until this moment. When this moment happened where the innocent person was um, suggested to, to murder the judge, he began to fret, he began to overthink again like he did previously. And he started to think of ways to get out of this situation. Now, the way that the story ends up is that Abe's solution to this is to, to get rid of Jill, to kill Jill. And after one of Jill's piano classes, Abe used to work, as a, uh, work with elevators, so he tampered with the elevator and the, the plan was that when the elevator come up, because the elevator wouldn't be there, she would fall into the elevator shaft and die. Anyway, there's a struggle to, to get her in there. He's trying to get her in there, and then he ends up slipping on uh, a torch and he falls to his death. For that brief moment of life, he was irrational. He got his zest back and he realized what Zen was until that moment. And then once that moment hit, his rationality came back in. and. This, is, this took him away from naturalness, away from effortlessness, and ultimately it brought him back into overthinking about every little detail of life. Now this is the story of Zen in this story. So in the end, it was Abe's rational de decision to try and kill Jill that was his great undoing. The irrational man would have followed his gut and accepted his past actions, and so he would have given himself into the police because what is natural within us follows the irrational lines of what is right. Now I know that this is a paradox because he, his irrational actions to begin with were to kill the judge. And, but at the same time, the irrational man would also 
accept their responsibility because they they have no strong sense of self self because they have no no strong logical or rational thought even though that there is a place for that but in this sense he probably discarded the intellect the value of the intellect a little bit but the genius of this is 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 the paradox because um, this is kind of like a zen koan this is how it relates to zen and i'm not saying that woody allen intentionally did it created the film this way but that paradox is there his irrational actions led him back into rationality so if he had have stuck to being irrational he would have just accepted his his actions and he would have went to jail and you know probably prison or the death penalty whatever according to whatever state in america it would be but he didn't do that he stepped back into rationality and this is where all the trouble began this is where he started to think of killing jill fleeing to europe and so forth and so on now Woody Allen, nor I, nor anybody would condone killing anybody. It's a, it's a fictional story to depict the irrationality of life. That's what I see in this film. Did Woody Allen intend for that? I've, I've seen many interviews by him that suggests that, and also you know, it suggests a lot of things about how we get away from our own distracted tendencies, which Woody Allen suggests a lot in his interviews as well. But ultimately, this paradox is the great thing in this film. It, it's the irrational man in, in all actions of life. The, the lowering of the sense of self, the sense of ego, and just moving with life without overthinking about it. Everything in Abe's story, all of the troubles and all of the depression that he went through came from overthinking and being too rational. Now the question is, is look, when we look at our world, when we step outside of this film, what are we embracing more? Are we embracing more of the irrational sphere or are we becoming super intellectual and super rational about everything and losing our gut feeling, losing our naturalness, losing our ability to be effortless and the ability to not do too much, which is one of the hallmarks of Eastern philosophy. So in, in summarizing, you know, I really enjoyed this film and I hope you enjoy my insights into it and I highly recommend it and I'll see you again soon.